Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foothills Church. If you don't know who I am, my name is Trey Stewart. I'm one of the pastors here. And if I'm unfamiliar to you, I'm normally at our Knoxville location. That's where I'm primarily at on Sunday mornings. Uh, but it's good to be back here in Maryville. I used to be on staff here in Knoxville. I'm sad I'm not with you this morning. If you're new, we are one church in two locations meeting in Knoxville and Maryville. And it's an exciting day today because we are wrapping up 2023. And some of you guys may be thinking, praise the Lord, we are wrapping up 2023. I'm ready for a new year, new year, new me, let's get it. But I don't know what kind of year you had in 2023. Uh, mine was kind of crazy. I won't spare you the details. Uh, tornado hit my house. We'll just leave that there. Um, if you want details, we can talk later. Um, but it may have been a great year for you. It may have been uh, maybe not so great year. And maybe you dealt with some hardships. Maybe you were struggling with something that, that you couldn't quite figure out. But this morning, I want to zero in and I want us to focus on what if we as a church in 2024, what if we were focused on the same thing. And I'll get to that in just a minute, but if you don't know anything about me, some of the people closest to me, maybe if they, would to, if they were to describe me with one word, and I confirmed this this week, they would say passionate. Trey is a passionate person, and it is uh, a family trait, for better or for worse. Uh, we are very passionate about our beliefs, we are very passionate about our sports teams and something that I inherited, I don't know who I inherited from because we all have this trait. We inherited a passion for telling referees that they could do their job a little bit better. Positive encouragement for referees. That's, that's what we're all about in the Stewart family. So if there's any refs here today, it's nothing personal. We could all do our job better. None of us are perfect. But specifically, when I was in middle school, and I actually have some middle school teammates here with me today to confirm this story. My dad was my basketball coach, and like I said, it's an inherited trait. So during the game, started at a young age, a ref was not doing a great job. I thought he could be doing better. So I go up to him and I say, hey, ref, you could do your job better maybe a not-so-Christ-like way. Um, he didn't like that, blew his whistle, gave me a technical. I was like, come on, man, now you're doing your job even worse. And then the team starts shooting their free throw. They go to my dad. My dad's like, what, what did he say? What did he do? He said, well, he was trying to tell me how to do my job. And dad, pastor, Christ-like father figure, looks at him and says, well, someone needs to. The ref didn't like that either, so he turns to him, gives him a technical, and the team gets four free throws off of that. That's just a silly example, but one thing that I am passionate about is making disciples. One thing that I'm very passionate about is seeing people take their next steps in their faith, for them to mature in their faith, for them to grow in their relationship with God, which is also something that I inherited from my family as well. So the question that I want to ask us this morning is what if in 2024, all of us together were focused and passionate about making disciples? What if we were all 
passionate about making disciples, going out of our way, doing whatever we can so that we can collectively make disciples of Christ in relational environments. And over the last few weeks and maybe even months, I've been asking people, how many of you have ever been discipled by somebody? And shockingly, not a lot of people said yes. And then I followed up and I asked some people, how many of you have ever discipled someone? And surprisingly, not a lot of people said yes. So I think something that we could grow in as believers and something that we can work towards in 2024 is what if we were all passionate about making disciples? I think it'd be crazy to see what God would do. And when I was graduating Bible college and I, I started at my first church, there was a pastor there who, who was passionate about making disciples. His name was Pastor Robbie. Robbie took me under his wing, even though he was about a foot shorter than me. He said, Trey, I want to develop you and grow you in how to make disciples and evangelize and share your faith. So we started meeting every week, and he would teach me how to share the gospel. We would go to places, and he wouldn't let me leave until I shared the gospel with a certain amount of people, which for me was crazy at the time. I just had never really done that in that way. We would go get breakfast, and then after breakfast, as we were paying, he said, okay, now share the gospel with the waiter. He'd take me to a basketball court and say, okay, share the gospel with five people. He would take me to a hospital, and, and this was the craziest for me. We would sit in the waiting room, and every single person that came in, he, he had me pray over them. And I had to share the gospel if the opportunity presented itself. See, he was passionate about making disciples, and he was passionate about other people making disciples. So what if we, as a church, did that in 2024. Today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go there. And K to 5th graders, I know you're in the room here for the first time. Welcome. We're glad you're here. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be up here on the screen. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, looking at verses 1 through 4 first. And then we're going to skip a few going to verses 19 and 21. But it starts here in verse 1, Matthew chapter 6. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward for your father who is in heaven. Verse 2, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpets before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have already received their reward. Verse three, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So here, Matthew is writing to the Jews and he's trying to communicate to them, you guys are doing all these religious things. You're performing these righteous acts, but your motive is incorrect. Your motive is to receive glory for yourself. Your motive is for the attention to be put on you. Yeah, your actions may be for righteous things, but you're seeking an earthly reward. So here he, he's focused on addressing why, that they are do, why they're doing what they're doing. And then we skip a few verses, jumping to 
verse 19 through 21, and, and the shift is towards the kingdom. So he's talking about what they are doing as a group of people. They're performing religious things to receive earthly reward. And then he shifts in verse 19 through 21 and shifts the focus towards the kingdom, towards the heavenly things. So we see here in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where, neither, where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we see at the beginning in verses 1 through 4, Matthew is addressing the religious hypocrisy going on in the time. And if we're honest, we can easily fall into this. We can get up early and we can read our Bible and we can have a Bible study, but we can't do it unless we post it on social media. Again, I'm not saying that's wrong, but what's your motive for it? Why are you doing it? We can do religious things. We can even serve at the church. We can lead a small group. But if our motive is to receive glory for ourselves and you get that glory, boom, there's your reward. It's there, it's gone. No more rewards for you. But he's saying shift your focus. Do these things without needing to be seen because your reward is in heaven and that can never be taken from you. And then verse 19 and, and through 21, he shifts the focus towards the kingdom. Don't do this, do this. Don't store up treasures on earth, store up treasures in heaven. You see, Matthew is fighting for believers to have an unwavering loyalty to the kingdom of God. What if Foothills Church in Knoxville and in Maryville what if we had an unwavering loyalty to the kingdom of God in the year 2024? So the purpose of this text, it's a great reminder to make sure that our hearts are not consumed by things of this world. That our hearts are not so wrapped up in the temporary, but our hearts are wrapped up and beelined focused towards the eternal. I think that's a great way to, to investigate our hearts and our lives going into the new year. So I've got a few questions that I want you guys to ponder this morning. And I want you to do a heart check, a heart assessment this morning. First question I want to ask you is this. What does your heart treasure? What does your heart treasure? And be honest with yourselves. Truly, what does your heart treasure? Because it's easy to stand here on Sundays to raise our hands to say, God, you are the best. You deserve all the glory. But then during the week, it looks like our treasure is in something else. So be honest with yourself. Is it the status that you have? Do you treasure your job the most? Do you treasure your family? Do you treasure money? What do you truly treasure? What does your heart truly treasure? <clears throat> because we may be doing heavenly things for earthly rewards. And it's a great reminder. It was a great reminder for me as I was pre preparing for this. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I do what I do? Why do I make the decisions that I make? What is my motive behind them? Because my motive, your motive should be to store up treasures in heaven. 
So another word for treasure that I I want to use this morning is worship. Worship, uh, what you treasure really is what you worship, if we're honest. So where our treasure is, that's what we worship. And, And my definition of treasure is this. Worship is our response to what we elevate, what we value the most. See, worship is our response to what we value the most. So what do you value most? What do you value most in this life? What does your heart value most? If you use the word worship instead of treasure, I I kind of rewrote it like this. Do not worship things on earth. They will fade away. But strive for heavenly things because they can never be taken away from you. So question number one, what does your heart treasure most? Question number two, something to ask ourselves is, How do I know what I'm worshiping? How do you know what you're worshiping? Uh, Yeah, I I want to worship the right things, Pastor Trey. I want to worship the right things. I'm trying. I'm here today. I want to be here. I want to grow. I want to worship God. I want to store up treasures in heaven. So, But how do I know if I'm truly worshiping the right thing? A few questions I want to ask us this morning. That's a great heart check and something that you should ask yourself regularly throughout the year to make sure your heart is in line with the teachings of Jesus. The first question to ask is, what do you do in your free time? How do you spend your free time? How do you schedule your life? When you have margin in your life, what do you do? Do you fill it with earthly things? Do you fill it with sporting events? Is your weekend centered around UT football? Is your weekend centered around going out of town, being gone? How do you spend your free time? And again, these things aren't wrong. But we got to make sure that we're not treasuring them the most. They're not the most valuable thing to us. So how do you spend your free time? Question number two, a great thing to check for yourself is to ask yourself, what am I posting? What are you posting on social media? What does your social media look like? Again, if your social media is all pictures of your family, I'm not saying you worship your family. I'm not saying you treasure your family more than God, but you could. That's why we regularly have to ask ourselves this. Are we truly treasuring the right things? Our motives are what God is seeking. What is our motive for what we post? Before we post something on social media, what if we ask ourselves, what's my motive? Am I building up treasures on earth with this post or am I building up treasures in heaven? Because the hard reality is a lot of us, I want to say a lot of us, some of us are known more on social media for our political beliefs than our religious beliefs. And we can get so focused on what we believe politically, that that's all people see us as, and that hurts our gospel witness. That hurts our witness to go and make disciples. So what if we ask ourselves before we posted something, how does this impact the kingdom of God? The third thing that we can ask ourselves, and this is a heart check one, is where is my money going? Where is your money going? Where your heart is, your money will follow. So how are you spending your money? What are you spending your money on? A lot of us 
don't necessarily invest in the kingdom as well as we could because we have a $400 a month Starbucks <laughs> Starbucks uh, budget. What if we cut that in half and now we had $200 to invest in eternal things and we just cut that in half? You see, it's really important when how, with how we spend our money. Every time we swipe the credit card, am I investing in eternal things? It's a great question to ask ourselves. And then finally, what is your screen time? How do I know what I'm worshiping? What's my screen time look like? I've heard a lot of people throughout the years, Pastor Trey, I, I just don't have time to, to jump in a small group right now. I don't have time to serve. Money's re really tight right now. I, I can't necessarily uh, invest in somebody in that way or invest in the church in that way. But some people's screen time, when I look at it, it's 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 hours of the day. You had time for your phone, but you didn't have time to invest in heavenly things, invest in the eternal because you were on your phone. Again, I'm not saying phones are bad. I'm not saying money's bad. I'm not saying posting things on social media is bad or, or having fun in our free time. But our motive is the important part because our motive when we do these things shows us what we truly are worshiping. See, here's the difference between heavenly and earthly treasures. I love reading a text of scripture that is so clear and so obvious because there can be some confusing verses and passages in scripture, but this is as clear as it gets. Don't do this, do this. Very simple. There's two ways that we can live. We can accumulate things here on earth you say, give me more, I want more, I need more, more will never be enough, so I keep seeking more. And so many of us will end up doing things that we never thought we would do to receive more things on earth. So that's one way we can live, accumulate things here on earth. Or secondly, what Jesus is telling us to do is accumulate everlasting things, accumulate valuable things in heaven? What if because of what you posted on social media, more disciples were made? What if every time you swiped your card, there was more heavenly treasures being stored up? What if how you spent your free time meant that more heavenly treasures were being stored up? I think it'd be crazy to see what our community would look like. You see, the mark of a Christian is that they measure, we as Christians should measure our behavior on the effects that it will have in heaven. So every decision we make, everything that we do, how will fill in the blank impact heaven? That is what believers should be doing because we are storing up treasures in heaven. You see, Earthly treasures say, give me, give me, I want more. Heavenly treasures say, give up, surrender. And we see that modeled by Jesus. He was the ultimate giver. He gave us his life. And God may not be calling you, if, if it's your business you value most, if it's your your job you value most, if it's your money you value most, if it's your comfortability that you value most, God may not be calling you to give up those things. But if he did, would you be willing to do it? 
What are you worshiping? What did you worship this year? Third question I want to ask us today. How can we store up treasures in heaven? Ask yourself this. Question number three. Are you radically generous to make disciples? If we want to store up treasures in heaven, are we going to be radically generous this year to make disciples? Again, this is what I think could be awesome to see. If we as a church locked arms and we're passionate about making disciples, every decision we made was based on the impact that it'll have in heaven. Are we going to be radically generous to make disciples? We see what this looks like in Acts chapter 2. Looking at the early church, they were sharing each other's things together. They were giving to those that were in need. They were sharing meals together, sharing resources, sharing their lives, giving homes to orphans, caring for the widows, caring for the needy. That is what it looks like to be generous to make disciples at all costs, whatever it may cost us for the purpose of glorifying God. You see, if Jesus is truly our treasure, if he is truly what we worship, it should change our actions. It should change our behaviors. We should start to look different. If your life doesn't look different after you follow Jesus, then before you follow Jesus, we got to figure something out here because that's not how it's supposed to be. It should challenge us to live our life for kingdom purposes, for heavenly things. And there's always a call and there's always an action when you surrender your life to Jesus. It's to make disciples. The vision of our church is to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. The mission of God's church is to go and make disciples of all nations. And this is where we are equipped to do that. See, here's what I mean. If in 2024, even in the hard times, we committed to make disciples. When we may feel lost, we committed to make disciples. When we feel like there's no hope, what if we committed to make disciples? When things are going great, we committed to make disciples. K to fifth graders, even though you're young, what if you committed to make disciples? Students, college students, what if you committed to make disciples? Parents, young adults, empty nesters, those of you that are retired, what if you used your time and you committed your life to making disciples? What if in 2024 we committed to make disciples and for the rest of our lives we did that because this is the call of our lives. We are called to go. We're called to give up, give our life, give our resources, sometimes give up our sleep, give up our energy with the people that always take energy out of us. We're called to still give to them because we are focused on making disciples. That's the heartbeat of our life. So my main idea this morning, to sum everything up, and and maybe it's something that you could write down, you can put on your fridge, you can put on your mirror in your bathroom. Uh, it's something to really help, uh, help us focus on what we should be focusing on in 2024. It's this, store your treasures and will last forever. Store your treasures and will last forever. 
What if this year we were focused on storing up our treasures and what lasts forever? I think we would see not just a difference in our church, a difference in our own lives, but I think our community could look radically different as well. What if at the end of our life, my hope is, yeah, man, that Trey guy, he was passionate. He wasn't perfect. He said some things to some referees here and there. But man, he was passionate about making disciples. That's the goal of our lives. We're to live, share the gospel, and be forgotten. That's what our life is supposed to be about. Pointing to God. So my question is, is Jesus your treasure? Challenging question for us this morning. Is Jesus really your treasure? Is he truly what you treasure? Because our lives are supposed to be like John the Baptist. John the Baptist's life was to prepare the way of the Lord. And he did that. And now that is our role. We are called to make disciples. We are to point as many people to heaven as possible in our lifetime. That is the goal. That is the focus. Did we store up treasures in heaven or on earth in 2023? I don't know about you. I wasn't perfect. I've got room to improve, and I'm ready to do it in 2024, and I hope you'll do it with me. Here's why this is so important. Here's what happens if we don't do this. If we don't do this, churches will start to become more and more empty. And I think we're already seeing this. I think we've lost focus. I think we've become focused a little too much at times, storing up treasures on earth, and, and we lose sight of storing up treasures in heaven. The average church attender used to attend once every four weeks. Now it's more like once every six weeks. So if we fail to store up treasures in heaven, we are already seeing our, our churches become a little more empty. If we fail to do this, we are failing to pass down our faith to the next generation. If we fail to do this, there will be less and less people to disciple our children. Our culture, our school, our communities will start to look more and more like sin and less and less like heaven. Why? Because we can get so consumed of storing up things on earth. And that's the challenge because we have sinful hearts that desire those things and we have, we have an enemy that is fighting for our lives. But we have to remember this text. We leave behind, if we keep going the way we're going, we are leaving behind a treasure that won't last forever. But what if we do? What if we are passionate about making disciples? What if we do start to use our free time, our money, we schedule our calendar around making disciples. See, our community starts to see us for the good things that we do for them. We meet their needs. We are making disciples. We are giving to those that, in need, that are in need. Orphans start to find a home. There's an interesting stat um, that, that I saw uh, a few years ago that, that if one family from every church in America adopted one kid, one, one family from one church, adopted one kid, there would be no more kids in the foster system. Just one family from every church. That is what 
being a generous follower of Jesus is like storing up treasures in heaven. We invest in the needy. We sacrifice early mornings. We sacrifice sleep to meet with brothers and sisters to encourage them, to to challenge them to follow Jesus, to fight sin, to confess sin, to read God's word, to study his word. We use our business to point people to Jesus. We give up our season tickets to have people come to our house and be hospitable to to them and show them the love of Jesus. We give up traveling so that we can lead a small group. We block out our Sunday so that we can be fully invested in gathering with God's people. What if every decision we made was to build up heavenly treasures? And as one of your pastors, even though I'm in Knoxville right now, Knoxville, I know there are several People that do this, Maryville, I know that there are so many people that do this. There are so many people at our church that are focused on the heavenly things, that are focused on the kingdom. And it is so encouraging to see you guys do that. It makes our staff or our pastors incredibly happy to see that. It's encouraging to us. But we need 100% participation. We need everybody to lock arms. We need everybody to lean in because we have a world that is walking away from Jesus and we, the church, have to be passionate about making disciples. If you don't practice what you say you believe, are you really even on the team? It's easy to say, yeah, I'm on team Jesus, but if you never show up to practice, if you never actually practice, are you really on the team? I don't know. But I'm not necessarily a math guy, okay? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not a math guy, but I wanna do some math with us this morning. So what happens if we took this seriously? And I'll even like simplify it a little bit. What happens if 10 people today was like, oh yeah, I'm super encouraged, I wanna do this. 10 people today said, I'm going to be passionate about making disciples in 2024. Even if five people here in Maryville five people in Knoxville. If 10 people total were passionate in 2024, year one, to disciple one person each, that would leave 20 people that are now committed to making disciples. And then the next year, those 20 people all discipled one person. Do the math. 40 people are now committed to making disciples. What if in year three, those 40 people discipled one person, then 80 people are now committed to make disciples. In year four, those 80 turn to 160. And then in year five, those 160 lead to 320 people now committed to making disciples. If you skip a few years, in 10 years, in year 10, if that math keeps going, in 10 years, over 10,000 people are now committed to making disciples. In just 10 years, some of you in this room are 10 years old today. In 10 years, there could be 10,000 people committed to making disciples. There's more than 10 people here in Maryville and in Knoxville. Let's say I'm only speaking to one person this morning. Say there's one crazy nut here this morning. It's like, Pastor Trey, I'm ready to rock and roll. Everybody else is tuning me out, but there's one person just crazy enough to say, I'm gonna hop on board. I'm gonna do this. Well, if that one person discipled one person for a year, you now have two people. And then those two people discipled one person, you now have four. 
And those four, disciple one person, you now have eight. I won't go any further because I'm probably gonna mess up the math. But if you skip several years, if that math keeps going, in 34 years, in only 34 years, over 8 billion people will have the chance to be committed to making disciples. I'm not even 34 years old yet. That's half of most people's lives. Starting with one crazy person in the room who's dedicated to look radically different than the world, who's focused on storing up heavenly treasures, that one person took one person under their wing and that kept happening over the years. And in 34 years, the entire world could respond to the gospel and be on mission to bring heaven on earth. That is insane to me. Just 34 years. We have more than one person here. We have more than 10 people here. What if we started with those that were already here that called FC their home? I think we could reach the world a lot faster if we all did this together. I'll close with this. There's a man, I read his story recently. His name is Dawson Troutman. Interesting name. Dawson Troutman was convicted that he was storing up treasures on earth and that he needed to store up treasures in heaven. So he committed for a full year to say, I'm gonna do whatever I can every day to make disciples, to share the love of Jesus with at least one person every single day, to spark up a gospel conversation, to share the gospel, to try to point someone to Jesus. He committed to do that every day for a year. And he said, I will not put my head on my pillow until I do that. Well, one day, he got to his house, did all the stuff. He got in bed, laid his head down on his pillow, and he felt the Holy Spirit convicting him. He realized he hadn't shared the gospel with anybody that day. He realized he didn't dedicate that day to store up treasures in heaven. So the Holy Spirit convicted him to get up. And he started walking around the streets where he lived. And he said, God, please just bring one person to me. I'm tired. I'm ready to go to sleep. And lo and behold, somebody else was walking those streets. So he goes up to him and says, hey man, what are you doing out here? It's late at night, it's dark. What brings you out here walking around? He's, the guy said to Dawson, man, I feel lost. I feel hopeless. There's no bright spots in my life. There's no hope in my life. And I, I don't, I, I need answers. And Dawson just smiled. He said, boy, do I have good news for you. And he shared the gospel with him in that moment. See, what if we as a church were all in and focused like Dawson in the year 2024? Think of the difference that we could start to see. What if we were mobilized like Dawson and we all did this together? We were generous with our lives. We were generous with our resources. We were generous with our talents to store up treasures in heaven, the things that last forever. I'm excited to see what God does in 2024. Bow your heads, pray with me. Father God, we know that only you can change hearts. Only you can save people. So Lord, we pray today 
that you would stir up our hearts, that we would be a focused church to be radically generous to make disciples. God, we need you right now. We need you next year. Lord, everything that we have is a direct gift from you. Our talents, our resources, the gifts that you have given us, our lives are yours. So Lord, we pray Isaiah 6 this morning. Here we are, Lord, as a church. Send us. Send us in whatever way we need to be sent. I pray that we are a church that says yes to that call. Lord Jesus, we're excited to see what you do in 2024. And we pray this all in your heavenly name. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like this video and leave a comment. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss an upload from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, you can go to our website, foothillschurch.com, or by clicking the link in the description below.